Hello everybody and welcome back to another Fate From Film. Today I'll be running you through some of the strangest things from an actor's filmography, but there's a sneaky fake movie hiding in the ranks and it's my co-host's job to guess which, and it's harder still because they don't know which actor we're covering yet, but they will in just a second. Okay guys, are you ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, let's hit it. Oh, also, it's all three of us today. I forgot to introduce them. Fraser's here. Hi. And also Jack. I am very tired. And Finn's brain is fried. And Finn's here as well. My brain is fried. Okay, so today's actor may well be the best actor we've covered thus far. She was the world's highest paid actress in 2018 and 2019. She's the ninth highest quoting actor ever. And she's been in six episodes of Robot Chicken. Uh, today, we're talking about the woman named after that time, the villain from The Lion King, rented out Christian II of Denmark. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Interesting. Do you understand that, guys? It was because Scar was the Lion King lion besides the other ones. And obviously Charles II of Denmark's dad was Johan II of Sweden. It makes more sense. This does make more sense, I should say, than some of the films we'll be covering. During her 27-year career, she's moved from child star in movies you wouldn't show your fish for fear he would simply fling himself from the tank to make it stop which my fish once did, to a multi-Oscar-nominated, multi-other less famous award, winning acting powerhouse, even if one of those awards was for Iron Man 2. Wait, really? F, F, F in the chat, she did win some awards for Iron Man 2, yes. Not oh, an Oscar. <laughs> Not an Oscar. Was it a uh, raspberry? <laughs> see, when I think of, like, award-winning Scarlett Johansson movies, I think of Lost in Translation. Uh, well, I, it's not funny to say that she won an award for Lost in Translation, but it is funny to say she won an award. It was like a Teen Choice Award or something. Uh, for Iron Man 2, I think. I am, and I imagine a few others are, familiar with Scar to the Joe, a nickname she of course earned in prison after a shiv-off with Joey the Knife, uh, from her role as Black Widow in the MCU, as well as her fantastic performance in Jojo Rabbit, which coincidentally yeah. was my favourite, also only, uh, movie of 2020. Others may well know her from her Oscar-nominated turn opposite man with the build of a sexy fridge, Adam Driver, uh, in Marriage Story, her role as Nutmeg in Wes Anderson's stop-motion canine comedy Isle of Dogs, and as Rebecca Doppelmeyer in cult classic comic adaptation Ghost World, which is a movie I coincidentally found out about yesterday because my sister was watching it whilst making an omelette. Do you think it's also a coincidence that out of the four actors we've covered, though, three of them have names starting with S? Uh, yes. No, yeah, you're planning yeah. something. You have no, something planned. It is a coincidence. I'm not a snake. Maybe, no, you should do is, if you can, make it spell out like snake <laughs> Well, we've got the first one. It was Sean Connery, then Eric Roberts, and then... Uh, no, no, Samuel no, Jackson. No, Samuel Jackson, now Scott has to Sess. Session. Sesame Street. Spelt wrong. Session. Okay, yeah. Next one we could do is host of Have I Got News For You, Ian Hislop. The only man with an eye at the beginning of his yeah, name. Every single one is just a different episode of Have I Got News For You? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think that was episode 42, actually. <laughs> it was a but, fake um... one. Jacob Rees-Mogg's only been on Have I Got News For You three times, which is, I mean, two times, which is, of course, two that times too many. That is a fictional many. episode. David Tennant was not on any of those appearances. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, for now, yes, it is a coincidence that I chose... Scarlett Johansson for this because of the S's. Is it a coincidence, though, that I chose Scarlett Johansson just after uh, the Black Widow movie was releasing? That's my favourite movie. <laughs> That's for me to know, and you to Google the term search engine optimization. Whilst Johansson's portfolio may be less extensive than some of the others we've covered, it is certainly no less impressive. But as always, there are some really odd eggs hiding in her filmographic omelette, and we're going to count them into our basket before they hatch. Right line to the effect of, now let's begin quickly to segue us on so no one notices that that analogy made no sense. Movie 1. This, unsurprisingly, stars Scarlett Johansson, who could have guessed, as Dr. Catherine Decker, uh, a guy called Charlie Jubin as Scott... Uh, Raj Gatak as Captain Nemo, Jeremy Renner as Dread Pirate Turnbull in sort of a cameo, essentially, and Robert Tail as Pirate Second Mate. We open with the camera panning through a splash of sea spray as it swoops over the ocean. I only bring that up because literally every movie, or literally every time this movie cuts to the ocean, it does this, as if their version of Adobe After Effects only came with one effect. So Adobe After Effect. It cuts back to the ocean a lot, which is rather inexplicable, as you'll see shortly. Can you tell I'm sort of trying to put off talking about this one? Um, a little bit. 
It's a bit weird. Uh, we reach a big old research boat, the Nautilus 2, which is basically a floating lab for marine biologist Dr. Catherine Decker. She's out in the middle of nowhere, avoiding her problems by studying squid, which is a lot closer to my degree than makes me comfortable. Uh, as she discusses the latest research of her assistant, Scott, very punchable name, isn't it, Scott? Uh, yeah, give her a backhand. Well, you'll see what happens to him in a second, actually. It's probably worse. Uh, we see a blip on their underwater sonar screen getting closer and closer. As the storm is coming, or a storm, Scott goes out to make sure that the mini submarine, which is very funnily called uh, the Nautilus Two and a Half, rather than like Boaty McBoatface, is secured to the deck, whilst Catherine indulges some light Jules Verne. But then suddenly, a tentacle whips out of the water and flails towards him. In the in- ensuing chaos... Does Scott Catherine get backhanded bashed- by the tentacle? Scott... No, no. Catherine gets backhanded by the tentacle. Okay. She gets bashed oh. in the head. And Scott, though, he's dragged beneath the waves. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, For fuck's sake. Jack, I, I wrote one of these, not you. <laughs> Catherine recovers and gives chase in the sub, but she's swallowed by the colossal squid in sort gives of Joker chase. style. She gives chase. She gives Why swim. do you chase the squid? Because taking Scott. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> He's been my noble friend and companion of research. He's been Maybe my noble man servant for so many years. It's- well, I'm happy to let the ocean take him. PhDs are expendable. Yeah, he's got my um, he's got the results in a memory stick in his lab coat, though. That's why <laughs> she's gonna go get the get the memory stick and then swim away. Gotta do everything yourself these days. <laughs> the interesting thing about this is, of course, that squid can't eat anything larger than a small basketball. Yeah, they have a really small esophagus behind I the mean, beak. Yeah, small basketball, providing that said small basketball is about four centimetres across. A I think it's limited. That would have been a better analogy. I think Actually, it's... that's a squash ball. But I don't know if you've noticed, Jack, I'm not a very sporty man. No, I, I think it's limited by their beak size, not by the esophagus, actually. Maybe both. It's also, their, oh, their brain is close to the back of their esophagus as well, so they can sort of fuck up their brain if they eat something too big. Oh, yeah, isn't their brain a ring around the esophagus? Yeah, so they I think literally so. can give brain damage. Yeah, it, these things are what? great. These things are super weird, and you're about to discover why squid are weird, guys. You ready? Because she's dead and the movie's over. No, no, <laughs> no. She wakes up inside the squid. I did mention Jonah before. No. And it's demonstrated by the sort of veiny, tentacly walls. Jack mentioned hentai before. Um, it turns out it's, 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 it's smaller on the outside to be legally distinct. And also, there's a forest in it. And now the lawyers are really happy because that's even more legally distinct. Uh, she takes the time to have an allotted two-minute grief moment over a waterlogged Scott corpse uh, lying near uh, her. And then she immediately moves on. Yeah, Finn, I'm sorry that your favourite character didn't survive. Well, I just thought, you know, at least if she was going to go into the thing and waste a good submarine, then she'd at least <laughs> save a, a PhD lawsuit. <laughs> Better pop out another another sub from the packet. I've wasted one. <laughs> Ruined a perfectly good submarine is what you've done. Look at it. It's got anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Now that she immediately moves on from the death of her friend and PhD student who was in her care, she sort of stumbles, disorientated, confused, you know, as you might be in a forest in a squid, and tracking a smoke plume to its source, and its source is a small cabin. Inside, she meets Nemo, not Clownfish, but Captain Comedy, the not-real-would-be-dead one. He explained through some hearty exposition and flashbacks, and over presumably fish-based alcohol, that he was swallowed a century ago and has been stuck there ever since, not ageing. In fact... No one that has been trapped inside the squid does age. Nemo believes, and this is, get ready for this, Nemo believes this world inside the squid is only possible because squid are actually descended from ancient biological spaceships, a theory that he had been exploring when he was eaten. There you go. In other words, squids are aliens. Um, but I think we can all agree this raises more questions than it answers, squids being aliens. You know, is it all squid? In which case, how did no one notice before? What about octopuses? And also, were the small squid just evolved to be smaller? Or were they for the really, really tiny alien species? Well, no, maybe they're big, even bigger by the answer. Maybe it's inverse. <laughs> See, we're raising even more As long questions. as you can fit through the mouth, you're yeah. good. But what about, exactly, what about cuttlefish? Can I, can I still eat sushi? Is Octodad a dad or an octopus? This movie will not answer <laughs> Is these Octodad containing an infinite size, <laughs> infinite size. of forest? <laughs> Is, does Octodad contain infinite children? Does Octodad contain the outer wilds? Does the Outer Wilds also contain Octodad? It's like an infinite loop. And where do Minecraft world generation come into this? Yeah, well, are there squids from Minecraft spaceships as well? Is that where Herobrine is? This movie is doesn't answer these Herobrine questions. Herobrine Octodad? Yes, it does answer that question, actually. That's the next line. 
<laughs> Herobrine is Octodad, says Nemo. <laughs> Nemo clarifies. Catherine, with her extensive squid knowledge, um, which I love. Says, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Nemo. Says, she believes she can stimulate the squid to vomit them up, which is interesting because surely her entire understanding of squid biology has changed. But whatever. But only if she can reach the squid's mouth. But they're overheard by the dread pirates, who are a group of trapped pirates, who frequently come to threaten Nemo for the supplies that he's able to produce with his technical skill and the remnants of the original Nautilus, which was swallowed. Wait. Also, the original Nautilus is a... Is a hundred years old. Steam is steampunk stuff though. We're looking at steampunk. Okay, cool. Shit. This Nautilus wasn't real as well. Yeah. Also, why don't the pirates just take him captive, like constantly, and just like live there? I'll take it up. Do you, do you want me to take it up with the writers? Do you want me to Google? Could you? Could yeah, you? I, I can. Which could be me, to be fair. I think if they won any awards for any movies since, they should be stripped of them. This was made by um, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> in his final performance, final direction role. We did this take where they said they talked about the squid aliens 127 times. <laughs> we need it to be truly, truly immersive. They have to believe that the squids are aliens. Scarlett Johansson still hasn't recovered and will not no. eat seafood. No. Oh, wait till the end of this movie. Um, anyway, so they don't want to free the pirates, uh, so they sort of make a run for it. What follows is 30 minutes of running for a forest. Way too long story, much shorter. She succeeds, she frees herself, and possibly Nemo, and traps the pirates, and then the camera pans through sea spray. And she wakes up on the deck of her boat. Copy of, oh, could you guess which one, which Jules Verne it was? Oh, it was 20,000 leagues under the sea, still in hand. And she's greeted by Scott, who's at the helm and not apparently a waterlogged corpse, so still a valuable PhD student. Was it a dream, she wonders? Well, behind her, we see a slimy tentacle sink beneath the waves. This doesn't clear up whether it was a dream or not. Credits roll. There's actually a mid-credits scene where it's revealed that Dr. Decker has become a botanist to avoid going back to the ocean ever again. And that would, of course, get raucous laughter, except for the fact that everyone... And then he got stuck on Mars. Do you not know what a botanist is, Jack? Yes. Oh, right. I see. You're referencing the Martian. Yes. With the potatoes. Was he a botanist? (laughs) Yes. That explains a little bit. That explains the the concept (laughs) of the book and film. He was a a potato chef. He's the team botanist and mechanical engineer. Half the book is him being a botanist. The other half is him being a mechanical engineer. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Half the book is him shitting in the Martian soil and growing potatoes. But those those Matt Damon shit potatoes taste absolutely delicious. Matt Damon shit potatoes, pretty good name for a band. That's fair. Okay, well, that's the end of that movie. Do you guys have any further questions about Squid Movie? No. Why? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Why? Is this that episode of Futurama? And also, is this that episode of Archer? It could be. I mean, it it could be. I guess it it creates the precedent for parody, and therefore maybe the film is It's also certainly a theme that's used a lot. It's literally Jonah and the Whale. The Bible did it first. Um, always right. getting there before us. Okay. <laughs> Every idea I have, I'm like, oh, man. Okay, should we move on to the second one, then? Yes. Movie two. Uh, we've got a guy called Nick Fuoco as George Caldwell, uh, D. Bradley Baker voicing Pig George, Scarlett Johansson as Kathy Caldwell, and Eva Mendez as Matilda. Kathy lives with her family. That's that's not unusual for a teenage girl. Uh, Kathy's little brother George is fucking annoying. Oh, yeah. Expected. Kathy's parents are leaving them both in the care of their nanny Matilda whilst they piss off to Paris. That is also normal. Kathy's little brother George messing with Matilda's magic rocks and being transformed into a pig. Okay, (laughs) now we have ourselves a movie and indeed more specifically this movie. So after George is transformed into a D. Bradley Baker voiced pig with all the charm of Charlotte's Web mixed with all the horror of the island of Dr. Moreau, the adventure starts. So the voice changes. So the actor changes for no. The voice is a pig. He's doing oinks. Okay, but is it the same actor who plays human boy and pig boy? No. Okay, no. that's interesting. Poor human boy. He probably doesn't get to be in the film very much because I was going to say mainly a pig. He so <laughs> he Kathy Matilda and his best friend Freud, who's presumably so named because he has mummy issues, set off to Mexico to undo the witchcraft. So when they arrive, Matilda's grandmother instructs them to gather ingredients, but Kathy becomes impatient, insults them, and storms off into town. Now, considering that these women cursed a boy into the form of a beast for touching some rocks, I'm surprised they didn't immolate her. They could have erased her from history. They could have made her parents forget she existed. 
<laughs> yeah, they could have, but made her still live. So she's yeah. an endless cycle. She can't die. She's they could have cursed her to be trapped in a squid alien for all eternity. <laughs> but they didn't. Instead, they let her go. She makes friends with two Mexican girls in town who happen to speak English and have satellite TV, which is presumably Kathy's rules for friendship, meaning anyone who speaks different language or has basic cable is a twat. I have a list of requirements for friendship, um, and you guys will never know them. <laughs> or fulfill them. <laughs> very much so uh, whilst this happens Freud the little asshole somehow loses the sentient pig to a butcher the idea of a butcher unknowingly slaughtering and selling a human child transformed into a pig will haunt my and now presumably your nightmares forever ultimately they rescue George and take him to Coyote Mountain for the full moon where they will cure him I was going to say incidentally maybe the best place for livestock isn't somewhere called isn't Coyote Mountain a mountain named after <laughs> just, the dead coyote <laughs> It's solid. Alternatively, maybe the best place to take your, your, your human turned into a pig is not Mexico. Oh uh, yeah, they 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 get of the vegetarian country. <laughs> I don't know which one that would be. Uh, no, they need to go to Mexico. Take him that's to, where the grandma is. To Israel. Uh, yeah, because that'll be oh, ideal. Yeah. Or or any any predominantly Muslim country. Um, but anyway, for George, this is of course out of the frying pan and into the fire, <laughs> which was how the butcher was going to cook him. Um, anyway just as they prepare to give George an antidote the butcher reappears because he's been following them I will kill this pig I will kill this human (laughs) pig they managed to get them both with the potion is the pig an exceptionally good pig like I don't know like why is the butcher obsessed does the butcher secretly know that it is a boy and actually just wants to try human flesh Maybe this is a post-apocalypse where there are no pigs left. The, apo- the COVID came, but instead of humans, it was only pigs. Well, all the pigs um, got like dissolved and their sort of orange goo got channeled into the boy to transform. Oh, the boy is him. all the pigs. He's the most pig pig that ever did pig. Yeah. On the side of it, there's a Doctor Who audio where one Sontaran accidentally gets made from like an entire batch of them. So he's like eight foot tall <laughs> and like super dense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just imagine like a fucking neutron density yeah, he's really he's a thick jack he's he a has thick gravity boy. he's Protector. a thick boy this guy and then you t- it turns oh, out this delicious. is deliberate this is deliberate they use these uh, these condensed batches for artificial gravity on their ships <laughs> they lay, <laughs> him, they lay them down at the bottom the of the ship side. Yeah, 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 yeah. We used to use like the Velcro Sontarans that are just like have got Velcro on their backs. Um, no, so this potion that they give to George, it splashes on both the butcher and George. And George is, of course, reverted to a human. The butcher turns into a vulture. What? Vulture is the fu- is the is the most human human. Yeah. <laughs> when you're more human than human, you become a vulture, which says something about us. Anyway, this film ends with them all back at home and revealed that George still has a pig's tail. So in a very real sense, the attempt on his life has left him scarred so and deformed. So what, what like, <laughs> this is really going to be in, an issue in like college years. Well, no, some people might some people might find it a turn on. Like that butcher, <laughs> who is now a vulture. I have never seen any furry artwork or equivalent in which there was a pig involved. <laughs> Oh, what, you think they're not into pigs? I don't think... Very few of them, I would assume. <laughs> very few. People who are into, like, mud play. I don't have to think. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? Yes, that's the thing. We are talking about a child. Thank you, Jack, for, for, for confirming no, something. I never this pigtail is permanent. This is... Like, unless they have it surgically removed, perhaps. Oh, they can have it surgically removed, actually. So, I have a question, which is, do you have questions, or should I just move on to movie Um, film? I... Where is this set originally? America. Okay. And then, then Mexico. And then Mexico. <laughs> I can't tell you any more specifically. Probably near enough that they can drive to Mexico. Okay. This um, seems... Uh, so I'm going to make a guess at low California. Yeah. When was this film made as well? Late 90s? I was going to say, this feels like a very late 90s setting of like somewhere in California, then in Mexico. Mm-hmm. With children going on an adventure while their parents are away. The parents are away. Yeah, well, it's like, oh my god, mum will kill yeah. us if they found oh out my that god, George has been crossed the Mexican pig. border and now we're drug mules. Oh my then god. The parents came. Um, <laughs> drug, drug pigs. Drug sounds. Drug pigs. <laughs> they come back and um, they come back and it turns out that the parents were at like a butcher's convention. And the, and the star presenter was missing. <laughs> He's just—he's gonna be a bit late. He comes in as a vulture. So is the vulture also the vulture gets away? Yeah, he, he just off. is a vulture now. He just is a vulture now. Yeah, yeah. Poor bastard. 
It's <laughs> no, it's good. Maybe vultures love to eat. He, he do you reckon? Enjoy eating like he the, keeps his his sense of taste. Of like, do you reckon he keeps his oh, human oh. sense of taste, and then he's forced to eat oh, rotten flesh? Because then it'd be like a sort of like yeah. a Greek mythology eternal punishment. Curse. Is that you? You know, it's like <laughs> I can't remember who it is who has to eat, and it just turns to ash in their mouth or whatever. Like. Being a vulture is not fun if you don't like the taste of no, rotting flesh. But if you do like, but if you like having incredibly corrosive stomach acid, then you're in luck. <laughs> if you're into acid play, then you're in luck to be a vulture. Ew! Why do you know that that's a thing? <laughs> I don't know it's a thing, but I can put anything in front of play, Jack. <laughs> Just assume it'll be something. <laughs> there's, a, there's a YouTuber who no. deliberately goes into the worst things no. and tries to review them, and that's why I know that there is such a thing as acid play. Arachnid play. I'm just thinking. I'm just looking around my room. Lego yeah. play. I'm just looking at things in my in my Pepsi can play. <laughs> Okay, movie three. Now, buckle up, this is a bumper one. Okay, so Elijah Wood stars in this movie as North. As North? North. Um, so like Kanye's kid. Yeah, he's Kanye, playing Kanye West's child. Bruce Willis as the narrator and also six malevolent advisors, including the Easter Bunny and Joey Fingers. John Alexander as North's father. Dewey Louise Dreyfus, so I think we've had on here before, as North's mother. And it features Scarlett Johansson as Laura Nelson. So we meet North, a multi-talented little goody-two-shoes who all the local parents compare their children to. You know, the kind of kid who would get absolutely bullied into oblivion. As soon as the parents turn away. Yeah, and I can't relate to that or anything. Anyway, uh, I'm fine. Because he's a little shit, uh, he feels rather underappreciated by his parents. And so he goes to a living room display at the mall to feel better, you know, rather than like playing for ball in a cart, listening to funky rap or eating sundry comestibles, which is sort of normal child things I did to cheer up. To be fair though, we have all gone to Ikea to make ourselves feel better at one point or another, surely. Yes. It's a wonderful, no. it's a wonderful, yeah. It's a wonderful place. We're on our way there. Wait, that's touching us. Not Ikea. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. We're on our way there. We do, uh... Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Get world of bookcases. Mum, can I have this Kallax? Uh... <laughs> Mum, can I have the Billy? <laughs> I want that to God grow. damn it. <laughs> Anyway, while he's in this this sort of home display, a man in a large pink bunny suit approaches him. And, you know, rather than screaming and running away like any sensible child approached by a stranger would, North tells the creeper all his problems. And the Easter Bunny actually recommends North tell his parents how he feels. And that does seem, fair enough, like good That's advice. Pretty good it's advice. Better, it's better advice than why not come eat candy in my unmarked white van. But, uh, no, we don't have that. It tastes better when you put the shackles on. <laughs> God. Um... North North ignores this advice, and he's encouraged by his friend Winchell, and he decides to divorce his parents. He hires crooked lawyer and man with real name, Arthur Belt, to assist him. Uh, the announcement of this in the papers genuinely sends North's parents into a coma. <laughs> Both of them. Both of them, immediately. They fall over on their porch. Like, they're having dinner, like they're having breakfast at the table, and they just say, oh, have you seen the newspaper this morning? And then this, like... Like, the first one to read the newspaper is just, like, collapsed, like, <laughs> frozen on the floor. And then the second one's like, oh, no, what happened? You'd think they wouldn't go, you'd think they wouldn't go and read it. Honestly, you wonder where the child is, but whatever. Anyway, North is an unfeeling horror child, so he proceeds with the filing, despite the fact his parents are now in a coma. Uh, because they can't <laughs> object, the judge sides with him. But there's a, a bit of a stake in this, right? North only has one summer to find new parents, or he'll have to move to an orphanage. <laughs> Um, cue a globetrotting expedition of adoption essentially so I'm going to give you a breakdown of all the places North goes on his wonderful journey okay so place one is Texas Martin Parr Tex tried to make him fatter to be more like their first son Buck who died in a stampede which was of course the main cause of death in Texas before the invention of the gun in 2003 oh god uh, they also staged a traumatising <laughs> musical number about their plans for him that I watched and I genuinely wouldn't wish it on my worst enemies which would be you guys uh, he's advised to move on by Gabby the cowboy Bruce Willis uh, who also gives him a silver dollar with a bullet hole through it it's like a little token Next stop is Hawaii. Governor and Mrs. Ho are next. Uh, they can't have kids of their own, and honestly, they actually seem quite nice. So North seems happy there. But then, the governor reveals a campaign to attract people to move to Hawaii, and it features North in an embarrassing pose, with his pants being pulled down by an octopus. There's a theme in this episode. 
Um, <laughs> being plastered on billboards across the US, which is so is, fun. Does Scarlett Johansson play the octopus? No, I wish she did, because Scarlett, you know, there's nothing that woman can't do. Can, can you just have six more limbs surgically grafted to you, Scarlett, for this role? Absolutely. This is that's fine with me. Anything to win a Teen Choice Award. <laughs> we could do it in CGI, Scarlett. No, no, no. Graft them on. Um, I want to do this for the kids. Hey, Ah! <laughs> <laughs> this is for you, children. And she comes on stage with like six bleeding, <laughs> bleeding arms. In other cheerier news, on the beach, a metal detectorist tells North that parents shouldn't use their kids for personal gain and advises him to move on. So he does to Alaska, the third place, and he moves into an Inuit village where he lives in an igloo with his potential parents who. Um, Why is he exclusively going to the most remote US states? He's gone to the very far southern border, then he's gone to the most, the, the furthest away state in uh, in the middle of the Pacific, and now he's just gone up to the furthest I, north state. I guess he just doesn't love America enough, Jack. Um, yeah, so in Alaska, North moves into an Inuit village where he lives in an igloo with his new potential parents, and just when you think this movie couldn't get any worse, they commit scenicide by sending their grandfather out to sea to die on an iceberg with dignity. That uh, is genuinely what it says. Uh, as summer nears its end, North realises this isn't his place, so he sets off again. Meanwhile, North's comatose parents have been put on display in the local museum, and Belt and Winchell <laughs> are rich, having been hired by children around the world to help them divorce their parents. Now, I just want to say, presumably, these lawsuits are being paid for by parents who hate their kids as much as their kids hate, kids hate them. Like, how else are they getting the money? <laughs> I'm just trying to grasp the, the, the fashion of divorcing parents. Like, taking the nation by storm. Oh, taking the world by storm. Next, North travels to Amish County, and I genuinely wish I could be more specific, but I can't. Zaire, uh, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, China and Paris, and these are all similarly less fruitful. Um, in fact, by the number of flights this kid has taken, I'm going to make a guess that he single-handedly melted the iceberg that that old man was on. Back in the US, he meets the generic American Nelson family, who treats him exactly how the self-indulgent little shit has always wanted to be treated. Can you tell I hate this guy? Uh, but he isn't happy, so do you know what? Fuck you, North, for still not being happy. Fuck you. Um, I'm genuinely angry. Um, this is where, by the way, Scarlett Johansson plays one of the kids in this family. Um, okay. With some help from a sled driver, he ends up in New York. New York, it's a wonderful town. Sorry, guys, I've got a weird stutter today. Fearing that North will renege and ruin their business, the lawyers plan to assassinate this. Sorry, let me just check this. Yeah, this this small child. Um, they're going to assassinate him. <laughs> so while on the run from assassins, he receives a VHS from his recently awoken parents begging him to return. He is encouraged by comedian and man not allowed within 200 feet of a school, Joey Fingers, so he heads to the airport. Now, at the airport, a gang of recently divorced recently divorced kids try to stop him. So to escape, he ships himself home in a FedEx box. And this gives us the product placement that this movie really needed up to this point. Although I would say, if this was anything like the real FedEx, right, he'd arrive three days late in the wrong state and smashed into little boy paste. But he makes it okay, <laughs> thereby providing us with another example of Hollywood's unattainable standards. As he runs towards his parents, an assassin aims his gun and fires. And rather than a small boy being riddled with shrapnel, he simply wakes up in the mall. The Easter Bunny takes him home, maybe in an unmarked white van. I didn't didn't watch the film. Um, <laughs> anyway, this was all a dream, maybe, because in his pocket he finds a silver dollar. Can you sense that there's some overlapping things happening with the movies I've got today? <laughs> I do have another explanation, though, which would be that he's now in a coma, having been shot by the assassin. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end. That's, that's my headcanon. That's your headcanon. <laughs> right, does anyone have any questions? Was his original father Kanye West? Yes. You've asked, is, you've already is, asked is, that, are their parents Kim and Kanye? And I told you I can't tell you the answer to that because it'll give away too much about the movie. Is this before or after the release of Life of Pablo? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Kanye helps. Oh. Okay, so you guys ready for film four? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very excited. Okay. This stars Scott Johansson as uh, as. Lucy Miller, which is an accent you won't understand that's not relevant to the film, but is relevant to my life. Uh, Morgan Freeman as Professor Samuel Norman. Choi Min-sik as Mr. Zhang. And Amur Waqid as Pierre Del Rio. So, summary. 
Lucy is a 25-year-old American student in Taiwan who is tricked into working for South Korean gangster Mr. Zhang as a drug mule by her soon-to-be-shot-in-the-head boyfriend, Richard. So she does the deed and delivers four bags of CPH4, which, despite sounding like C-3PO's cooler cousin, is in fact a valuable drug. Richard is then shot in the head, which I suppose you probably didn't see coming unless you heard the thing I said. 20 seconds ago. In a horrible twist, the drugs are then sewn into her to transport them to Europe, and her journey begins. I do wonder why they couldn't have gone with the more traditional route of sort of very, very, very big trebuchet. But in the words of John Cena, who knows why madmen do what they do. So when you say sewn in, how are they sewn in? They cut her, and then they put the bags in, and then they set it back up. So they're in like her... In her like sort the, of stomach the, the, area. What the fuck? Yeah. It's fucked up. Or or I'm fucked up. (laughs) Uh, During the journey, she's kicked in the stomach, releasing the drugs into her system. This grants her physical and mental powers, unlike most drugs, which just make you think you have physical and mental powers, but your only power is substance abuse. I was going to say again, is is this another one where it's actually the rest of the film is her in a coma? Um, you haven't got to the last line I wrote um, she becomes telepathic telekinetic, capable of mental time travel and incapable of feeling pain and she can solve the countdown conundrum in under four seconds, uh, she also becomes ruthless and emotionless, much like me buying toilet paper in March 2020, and so she kills her captors and escapes, again much like me in March 2020 Lucy goes to a hospital where the drug bag is removed and her doctor tells her that CPH4 is actually produced by pregnant women to give their fetuses the energy to develop and <laughs> silly me here I was with my stupid biology degrees thinking that that was sort of like proteins fats and sugars when all the time it was magic hard narcotics it was hard narcotics <laughs> but those babies are in the uterus like snorting coke <sighs> I need it. You know, there's like twins in the room, like just smoking some, smoking some weed. Like, you know, I hear there's 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 a world outside. No way, man. It's just this. Anyway, with her powers, she's able to find Mister Jank and sort of psychically extract the location of the other drug mules. She then wants to know more about her new ability, so she contacts um, Professor Samuel Norman, and he reveals that the drug unlocks the rest of your brain capacity, because humans only use 10%. And indeed, some people use even less, naming no former health secretaries of this country. They agree to meet in Paris, so Lucy gets on a plane. However, during the flight, she makes the rookie error of drinking champagne, when everyone knows the only thing you should drink whilst airborne are those tiny little cans of Pepsi that they give you. Anyway, as punishment for her error of judgment, she immediately begins to disintegrate and has to take more <laughs> CPH4 to stabilise her body. Wait, so the champagne causes disintegration? The champagne reacts with the drug and she begins to break down. So is this from, like, the carbonation in the drink? No, no, Finn, it's because this... drinking alcohol is a sin. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a good. So it's, it's a good, it's, this is actually fueled by God. It's a good it is Christian a, a movie. Blessed drug. I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Lucy is actually short for Lucifer. <laughs> oh my God! Reveal. Okay, now I know this does sound like a bad journey for for Lucy, but I've flown Ryanair, so I I know how it feels for your life to fall apart whilst on a plane. On a related note, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Jet Two. Jet Two. They're really taking off and they're landing again somewhere else. Anyway. Are we just going to keep claiming that this thing is actually sponsored by companies? We are. No, we are sponsored by. Gives us money. We are sponsored by Jet Two. I got it. I secured it. They're very desperate at the moment. The travel industry, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On landing in Paris, she meets with police captain Piero Del Rio, who helps her find the rest of the drugs. Back at (laughs) Professor Norman's lab, Lucy begins to impart her expanded knowledge, explaining the nature of life, humanity, time, you know, like me on this podcast to you guys. Um, She then asks to be injected with the rest of the drugs, and that turns her body, um, and I promise you I'm not making this up unless I am, into a black substance that spreads over the room, transforming the laboratory technology into a next-generation supercomputer in a flagrant rip-off of the Ben 10 alien upgrade. She then begins a mental space-time sightseeing tour. She visits the Eiffel Tower, the White Cliffs of Dover, Times Square, you know, coincidentally, three places I've been except for two of them. We watch Time Rewind further, back and back, until Lucy reaches Lucy, as in Australopithecus afarensis Lucy, the oldest known human ancestor, here represented by dog shit CGI. They touch fingers, recreating the Sistine Chapel, and then Lucy, as a human counterpart Lucy, Scarlett Johansson Lucy, is catapulted even further back to watch the Big Bang itself in, you know, a proper bad trip, let's be honest. Uh, it's then that Mr. Zhang, who's followed them, again, we've got a lot of 
people following people inexplicably um, to different places, haven't we, in these movies? He's followed them to Paris. He bursts in, he aims at Lucy's head, and he shoots. But it's too late. Lucy's at 100% brain. She can now travel into space-time itself and truly appreciate Rick and Morty. <laughs> she disappears. And then Del Rio enters and kills Jang. Del Rio asks where Lucy is, and immediately he gets a text saying, I am everywhere. And that could be true. But counterpoint, she's eavesdropping under the table and is about to jump out and say, you've been pranked by the prank patrol, which would have been like a way better ending. But instead, we just hear Lucy say, life was given to us a billion years ago. Now you know what to do with it. I do. Now I must take it away. <laughs> I mean, I d- there's no there's no more context to that, but I do know what to do with my life. It's waste my friends' times by pretending to record a movie podcast with them for over a year when in fact I've never recorded or uploaded anything. That would be very funny. Is this a test about whether we ever watch back <laughs> yeah. post? I know you don't, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that, that it's you've got away with it for so long I... because we are so, so inadequate. Uh... We're all so yeah. We're just, just, just. Oh, do you have any questions about that movie before I get on to the final one? I like when baby drugs make you dissolve and give you the power of time literally to, God. Give you the power to touch our ancestor. That sounds wrong. I don't think Lucy Afrensis Lucy is all of our ancestors. But I guess she'd be the ancestor to a lot of people. Like Genghis Khan is the ancestor to a lot of people. So I guess. <laughs> yeah. Instead, she touches. She touches Genghis Khan. <laughs> Genghis <doesn't it>? Khan. <laughs> like the Sistine Chapel. Oh. Uh... That's a. Why goes? No one knows if that's a bad Genghis Khan impression because no one knows what he sounds like. I just feel like he. I feel like he's quite a jolly guy. Because <laughs> jo- you know, just because I feel like everything goes his way. He's happy go lucky. <laughs> Very lucky, happy go. Very, very lucky, very lucky. Very happy, very lucky, very go. Very, very. I mean, very go. <laughs> he never, he never stopped for more than like a week or something. You know, Genghis just... Khan. Well, like Genghis can't stop me now. On that note, I think we have to move on to the next movie. I think we have to just shut down a questions. Honestly, um, oh based on that, God. based on that pun, I'm sorry. Um, that was awful. But also, that film sounds pretty awful too. Right, movie five, guys. Not movie five, guys. <laughs> Movie five. That's the name of the film. Five guys. The movie. Movie underscore five guys. Uh, um, okay. This movie stars Alex D. Linz as Alex Pruitt, Oleg Krupa as Peter Booper, which is a great name, Raya Kistelt as Alice Ribbons, Marion Selders as Mrs. Hess. Probably I was no all these to names Rudolph. would rhyme with their actual names or alternatively. Yeah, to only one of them in. does. Sadly. Um, Marion Selders as Mrs. Hess, and probably no relation to Rudolph Hess, but. After that Operation Paperclip thing, we can't be sure. And features Scarlett Johansson as Molly Pruitt, Alex's sister. Okay, guys, let's, let's jump right in. The year, Hong Kong. The place, 1997. The round of away. A gang of four internationally wanted spies, led by Peter Booper, and including the wonderfully named Alice Ribbons, I'm going to say it because I love their names, are working for a North Korean terrorist organisation, unspecified North Korean terrorist organisation. They steal a $10 million missile cloaking microchip from Silicon Valley, which is obviously where microchips grow, and hide it in a remote-controlled car to get it through airport security. How ironic that the one thing the missile cloaking microchip couldn't cloak was itself. Your typical airport luggage mix-up happens. An elderly lady named Mrs. Hess ends up with their bag as she heads to Chicago. <laughs> they were probably flying Ryanair when they should have flown with our sponsor, Jet2. Jet2, fly with us if you want to commit crimes. The four spies stalk Mrs. Hess back to her neighbourhood, where they systematically search every house for the car. However, Mrs. Hess has already given it away to eight-year-old Alex for shuffling her driveway, because that's what you do with other people's things when you find that you have the wrong bag. You don't report it, you barter them like a surf in medieval Dorset. Um, anyway, in a chillingly prophetic turn of events, Alex contracts chickenpox and has to isolate at home, which does make you, make you wonder what they knew, doesn't it? The next day, Alex spots the spies whilst himself spying on his neighbours. In the words of Frederick Nietzsche, Beware that, when fighting monsters, you yourself do not become a monster. I fear it's already too late for Alex. He tries, and fails somehow, to report them to police. So, he takes matters into his own hands by killing them all, cut to black. No, sadly, sadly not. Instead, he adds a wireless camera to the toy car, which is like fucking witchcraft in 1997, when this film is set. And he drives it around to spy on them. See, I I told you, he's barely started battling, and he's already monstering super hard. 
When they spot the car, they give chase. But being four internationally feared criminals, they obviously aren't fit enough to, fit enough to keep up with a small remote-controlled car weighed down by a magic future camper, and so they lose it. Now, realising they didn't want his toy car just because it's fucking rad, Alex takes it apart to find the microchip. He immediately reports this to the local Air Force Recruitment Centre, which is, of course, your one-stop shop for microchip-related crimes. The spies track Alex back to his house, so he sets a series of elaborate booby traps, assisted by his pet rat and his brother's parrot. Having broken into the house, the spies trigger the trap and suffer presumably horrendous, life-changing industries, like Saw or You've Been Framed. Alex escapes the house and rescues Mrs. Hess, who's been tied to the chair in her garage, but Booper finds Alex. Luckily, Alex is able to ward off Booper with a fake Glock. If Alex was a true American patriot, he would have simply shot Booper in the head with a real gun. Now, at the same time, FBI agents arrive at Alex's school. Why as they do that? It's said a movie can bring back Scarlett Johansson and thus making this movie appropriate for me to talk about on this podcast right now. Alex's family lead the agents to the house, where they arrest three of the spies, but Booper flees into the backyard snowfall, where only God and a mildly temperate afternoon can touch him. It is now that the shark, well jumped over, I think we could agree by this point in the movie, travels back in time to jump over itself. Because the parrot, driving the remote-controlled car, enters the snowfall and threatens to light a series of fireworks attached to the fort's walls. This requires the parrot to have basic knowledge of pyrotechnics, an understanding of both the English language and human suffering, and a driver's licence. Boupère tries to bribe the parrot for cracker, but that jazzy McCaw demands too. When he doesn't get the dual cracker action he desires, Judas Asparriot, as he shall forever be known, lights the fireworks and kills the spy slash alerts the FBI, the, the second one. Um, now, did I think of the pun Judas Asparriot and fake an entire film to get to it? Does that sound like something I'd do? Does Quentin Tarantino like feet? You all know the answer. In a truly Shakespearean twist, at the end the spies are shown to have contracted chicken pox, if this isn't the greatest modern parable about the benefits of social distancing and hating children, I don't know what is. Oh, oh, no, actually, I do. It, it's my new book, How to Trip Toddlers from Two Meters, 101 Ways to Make Your Kids Cry During the Pandemic. It's now available exclusively from the Woolworths. The online store or the, the one in Australia? No, no, the, 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 physical, the physical one. Okay, that's good. That is the end of the film. Now, do we want to quickly ask questions and then, and then see which one you guys think is fake? Do you guys have any questions? I'm kind of blown away a bit. I'm concerned because I only know one of these is actually real, and the rest are all equally miserably bad. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, rude to me as I wrote one of them. Well, you wrote it to be so. You wrote it to match with the others. Or maybe I wrote it to be my magnum opus. (laughs) Okay, I'll remind you what they are, right? I told you this one was going to be a trick. This is great. I'm having a great time. This is. I want to see all of these films. Okay. Number one was uh, the Squiddy the Squiddy Alien yes. one. Number two was uh, Brother Gets Turned Into Pig, Butcher Gets Turned Into Vulture. <laughs> Number three was the Hateful Horror Child, the North parent. the Destroyer. North the Destroyer of Parents. Uh, number, number four was Drug Mule Psychic Trip Time. <laughs> and number five was Boy Fight Spies with Parrot and Rat. Uh, let's take all of your guesses. Let's start with I know, Finn. Which which one do you which, which one are you thinking is 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 the faker? I think that the pig one is fake. I the think pig, the, pig the pig one, one is, is fake. fake. Okay, I've written that down. Fraser, which do you think is fake? I would agree. I think pig boy's also fake. And Jack. There's only one fake in here. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Have you still not got the format? <laughs> No, why? I mean, it's like there's everything yeah. but one. The, these other so films got funded. Awful. They got made. People, people <laughs> went to work every day to make these films. I think the squid. I, I'm going to say the squid one is fake. Jack thinks that the squid one is fake. I want to see the squid one. I, I'd like it to be real. <laughs> I think. I think it's probably the, the most likely to be fake because it's so bad. I don't think they would have approved the special effects budget. So uh, I'll break it down then. I'll say which ones. So number one. Uh, this was a 2008 film called The Squid's Tale, which Jack uh, was right. I made up. 
Damn! Thank God for that. I I made oh. up it. I made that one up. Uh, and there's lots of lots of Easter eggs and stuff in that. Number two, which does mean all the others remember <laughs> that. Number two was a 1999 movie called My Brother the Pig. Uh, number three was North 1994. Number four, I presume this is the one Jack knew was real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's Lucy. Lucy, I knew from, it was real. From 2040. I, I I wasn't gonna do it because it was too obvious. I, kn- I knew the Lucy one. I knew that one. Yeah. Everyone, I knew you'd all know but that, but I read so, the plot and it's I'm just so, like, I didn't oh, realize it's it so was that bizarre. Bad. It honestly, it's not ranked that low. It's like mid sixes, um, and it's really, it was really successful in France. Like they really liked it. Five uh, was Home Alone three from nineteen ninety seven, which I have seen. I've seen that one. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was the music. I kept I was like, "Where's Macaulay Culkin? He's not in it." <laughs> um, so let's start with the trivia about the squid one that I made up. The squids being aliens thing. I wondered if you might have heard of it. Uh, it's actually it's octopi, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I use the term generously, but you might have seen the, the theory that says octopuses are aliens. Or that, yes, a section of crazy. their DNA is... Wasn't it because aliens. that for a time they couldn't find an evolutionary no, route for no. them? When this paper came out, we knew the evolutionary... I was going to say... It's, it's really well mapped. There's... We, we knew. Ah. Uh, it's, just, it's just shit. It's just all shit. So I read, I read a lot of it. It's a 23-page report. So it's, it's Steel et al. 2018. It's peer-reviewed. It was published in the Journal of Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology, not a zoological journal. Uh, basically, what they argue, and when you say octopus, just get ready. Right. Essentially, they argue that the Cambrian explosion, which is the rapid proliferation of new species approximately 540 million years ago, is due to alien DNA which arrived on a meteor. And I'm going to give you a quote from the paper, right? The most crucial genes relevant to the evolution of hominids, as indeed all species of plants and animals, seems likely in many instances to be of external origin, being transferred across the galaxy, largely as information-rich virions. They're saying... So I know the whole the headline was octopuses, but that line says that all the most important genes in all species on this planet came from space viruses. That's the claim they're making based on nothing. It's, and this is and it's amazing. They're stating that as ne- they later state as near fact that eggs and seeds also arrived on meteors, something we have no evidence for, and they arrived f- fine enough to hatch or grow. Mm. No, no evidence for this. Um, for octopuses, uh, they apparently seem to descend from a population of what they say were squid that were, as um, Jack said, sort of infected by an alien virus, or what have you said. Um, octopuses are singled out basically because they're so complex for sort of their for cephalopods. Um, they're intelligent. They have excellent eyes. They've got incredible shape and color changing abilities. But it's a bit like me claiming I'm an alien because I'm just so incredibly talented at writing podcast scripts. Also, none of the scientists on this paper were zoologists which probably slightly hampers your ability to write a paper on animal evolutionary biology. But um, I just say, did you guys notice any of the squid hints I put in there? I wondered if you might have, because Decca, which is her name, is short for decapod, which what squids are. Uh, I, well, I mean, squid? fair, I assumed that they were related because it's like, oh, she's a squid scientist. <laughs> I see, it's normative determinism. There's another thing, and this is actually my favourite thing that I wrote in it, which is a bit cheaty because I shouldn't be praising myself. But that guy, Robert Tail, who's you know, a no character, I may just put him in because Robert Tail is obviously Bob Tail. Bob Tail. The Hawaiian Bob Tail squid. <laughs> um, and they're awesome. I love these guys. They're super cute. You guys should look them up. Um, they have symbiotic bioluminescent bacteria called Vibrio fishery. And basically, the squids give them ba- uh, sort of sugars and proteins, and the bacteria Aww. pay that off by glowing, and that hides the squid's silhouette from anything swimming below, which helps them hunt. That is movie one. So that's the fake movie. Do you guys want to hear a bit about My Brother the Pig? Yes. I mean, you don't have to want to. You guys, we'll Jack and Fraser are silent, because you're resigned to the fact you're going to have to hear something about My Brother the Pig, aren't you? Uh... <laughs> so there's not much in a 1999 movie where a boy turned pig travels to Mexico. In fact, IMDb had one fact on it at all and i'm not giving it because it's boring so according to the trailer of this film this film actually won an award uh do you want to guess what award it might have been a raspberry fingers raspberry anyone else uh <laughs> no go for oscar emmy yeah. Award. jack golden globe no no. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it was. It was a it was a film advisory award of excellence. And all that means is that they give it to any movie that's suitable for children, <laughs> but they still put it in the trailer. 
<laughs> so it's a real cheat. Um, D. Bradley Baker oinks away as Pig Jaws. Now that's a name. I wonder, Pig George, not Pig Jaws. <laughs> that's a whole different movie. So he's another animal voice actor supreme alongside, um, mentioned before, friend of the show, Frank Welker. And it's not the only time he's played a pig because he voices Waddles the Pig in the excellent Gravity Falls. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. So just a few things he's played various roles in because this guy is big. Uh, Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls, Justice League, Sponsor Squarepants, which he also appeared in alongside Scarlett Johansson because she was in the movie. Totally Spies. He's been in no less than three different iterations of Scooby-Doo and eight Scooby-Doo movies. Is that enough for you? How about video games? He's Hammond in Overwatch. He's the <laughs> Spitter, the Jockey, and the Charger in Left 4 Dead 2. Wow. And he's on the voice cast in the greatest game ever made, The Da Vinci Code for PS2, which, yes, has a game. Uh, also, and this is one, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, he's some clones in some minor Star Wars animated spin-off. The duplicate battles and the low quality bunch. I think that's what they're called. Something like that. Yeah, he's he's all of those clones. Um, I don't know if you've heard of these shows. Um, Wait, he's the one that he's the one that voices like every clone in the. Clone yes, Wars. he is like ninety oh, percent of the cast. He's the most overworked voice actor in like cartoon history. Okay, so there are eight IMDb reviews of this movie, uh, and some people actually really liked it. They gave it. Some people gave it ten out of ten, uh, and their basic argument was it worked for their young kids, so it's doing its job. And that's, I think that's honestly, maybe not 10 out of 10, but I think it's fair like to say, this isn't that bad. Yeah, it works for kids. But the other reviews, okay. This one is horribly creepy and was posted in 2013. It's titled, This may be the worst film ever casting my goddess, Scarlet. Which, <laughs> oh, goody, he's calling her a goddess and oh, goody's on first name terms. I'm going to give you a horrific quote from this review. I didn't expect it to be great one like other movies with the little goddess in, such as The Horse Whisperer or Manny and Lowe. But I still paid that much effort downloading it because my goddess was the number one on the cast list, but only to disappoint myself a bit later. She is, like, 15 in this film. Stop. <laughs> Do not call her little goddess. What are you doing? It's so creepy. Uh, the other review gave it 1 out of 10 because Scarlet has some bad language. So I, because I'm really vindictive, I went through and I counted every possible swear I could think of in the script. <laughs> okay. There are no fucks, no twats, one shit. No dams, one heck. There are 11 hells, although nine Ooh. of them are within the word hello. Uh, there are zero <laughs> bastards, two asses, and no cunts, which is probably expected from a movie called My Brother the Pig. Uh, now, um, and that's why the. <laughs> Imagine, just imagine for a moment here, someone makes a movie, for a, a kid's movie by all intents and purposes where everything is suitable for a U rating and then they just drop a cum bomb for no reason. <laughs> like the final like sort of epic sequence is like, you don't cunt. Uh, yeah, when the vulture flies off, he's yeah. like, fuck off you cunt. Um, <laughs> now I have saved the best to last. I discovered this movie in amongst an editing war on the Wikipedia page. When I first discovered it, the movie featured additional cast members. Keanu Reeves as Gordon Freeman. <laughs> Nicolas Cage as John Freeman. Toby Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, the headcrab zombie. <laughs> Brian David Gilbert as Waluigi, the headcrab zombie. Mark Hamill as Zombie Ghost 1, Aubrey Plaza as Zombie Ghost 2, Robert Pattinson as Zombie Ghost 3. All of those ghosts are spelt G-O-A-S-T. Uh, <laughs> shall we? There's not much trivia for North. This is actually so Scarlett Johansson's role in North, where she's a child. Uh, that, she's 10, and that's her first ever film role uh, in that terrible, terrible movie. And it was terrible. It was panned at release. In fact, it's often cited as one of the worst films ever made. It grossed $12.2 million worldwide against a budget of $40 million. It has a 3.18 on Rotten Tomatoes out of 10. And the consensus isn't just that the film's unfunny. It lacks substance and it was bursting with ethnic stereotyping on top of a genuinely terrible premise. And just to give you an example of that, those um, Inuit people, right, who he goes to, not only are they, you know, they're, they're committing scenicide for honour, they aren't named. They're credited in the credits as Eskimo Villager, which is not a word... <laughs> That was It was a word that was going out of fashion at the time. Awful. Uh, Roger Ebert, he really hated it. He said it was so bad, no child actor could perform well in it. And considering he had Elijah Wood in it, that's you know, he's a good child actor, as is Scarlett Johansson. He gave it a zero out of four. Uh, his preview included lines of review. Uh, this is one of the most thoroughly hateful movies in recent years. Mm. And I hated, hated, hated this movie, which did make the guy that wrote it uh, a bit sad. Uh, and when he met Roger Ebert later, he said, Roger, your jumper... I hate, hate, hate your jumper. (laughs) 
this is all now. This is all particularly surprising because the director was a guy called Rob Reiner. Have any of you heard of him? Uh, Rob Reiner. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So Fraser has the Princess Bride. Yep, that's the one. I'm not that. That's that's the big one. When Harry Met Sally. That's Stand another big one. And, and Misery. Oh, he directed Misery. He did Misery. He he, do, he did good movies, and he does good movies. No, no he does very good movies. He do, and he did this. One of the worst films ever made. Um, I've got one more thing left, Finn, which you'll like. Mrs. Ho, who's the governor's wife, is played by Lauren Tom, Amy from Futurama. Wow. So that's that's something. That's... I'm glad I'm glad she received the paycheck. Honestly, yeah, I'm that's glad all I can she say, you know. got money for something. I'm glad she was given money for something because she is great and I like her. That's that's incredible. Okay, well now that Finn has returned to his home planet, we can do the trivia for the last two. Uh, so Lucy is the trivia we're looking at now. It was one of the most successful French action films ever made. It made a net profit of $423 million. That's the highest grossing film of, in France in 2014. Now, I, I wonder if you can guess some of the other highest grossing films. Like 2017, Jack, you might be able to guess what the highest grossing film in France was in 2017. The only film I can remember watching in 2017 was Blade Runner. And I don't think that did very well. As a war film. Oh, Dunkirk! Dunkirk, the highest grossing film in, in France in 2017. I saw that with Fraser. Yeah, excellent movie. Yep, we oh. saw it. Yeah, it was really good. It's got some flaws, but pr- pretty good movie overall, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It hits, probably hits quite close to home for, for the French. In 2013, there's another uh, movie that I think hits quite close to home, The Purge, which of course harkers back to France's history, the, the French Revolution. Um, now, for anyone who questions whether that's an accurate comparison, my understanding of history may be tenuous, but my ability to connect disparately related things is unquestioned. Now, 2018 and 2011 were Johnny English Strikes Again and Johnny English Reborn. These were the highest grossing films in all of France. <laughs> Not even the first one. The sequels. Uh, is it a surprise, guys, that the French enjoy movies that show the English as morons? Hmm. Yeah. Now, 1991, a movie Fraser will have heard of. Jack might not have. But 1991, the highest grossing film in France was Highlander 2, The Quickening. <laughs> Which is a terrible movie we mentioned on the first episode of this Yeah, series. we did. <laughs> yeah, highest grossing film. Now, we can go back to Lucy. It's the 100th most successful French film in France ever. This script, though, took a decade to write. How long do you think it took me that to write that Squid movie? Uh, Ten minutes. Two, yeah, I was well, going to say. Two hours, but thanks. Oh, two hours. Okay, I was, I was, I was going to say at least an hour. I know, I thought it would be, I thought it would coincide with ten. <laughs> Jack, you're looking for meaning where there isn't any, like people who are watching Lucy. Okay, a little more evolutionary biology then. There's been a lot of evolutionary biology this episode. So Lucy, the ancient human ancestor or computer animated horror, is our oldest known relative, dating back about 3.2 million years. Her skeleton uh, was found in Ethiopia in 1974, uh, and in a strange coincidence, one of the people that discovered her was a guy named Donald Johansson. Not related, because they're spelt differently, but still, weird coincidence. Or that was why they hired her, I don't know. Um, my favourite thing that scientists discovered from her, basically the evolution of bipedalism, walking on two legs, comes before the evolution of increased brain size, because she was bipedal probably, but she had a small cranium relative to her body size for like, relative to like a human. Do you know why she's called Lucy? Why? They were constantly blasting out the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles basically, and say named after her at the dig. Now, it's interesting. This title refers to LSD, right, guys? Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And that's a fun coincidence, right? Because that drugs. is... A... The movie's Yeah, exactly. Drugs. Exactly. Now, considering that a drug is what unlocks human Lucy's powers, but is it a coincidence? Now, what if Scott Johansson doesn't get superpowers? What if the drug was just LSD? And the whole movie, basically, is her just having the most insane trip that is going in my head cannon alongside north getting assassinated at the end of the movie okay the final movie right guys this is home alone 3 which is the movie i've seen so this is the first of the home alone movies not to star macaulay culkin which is sad it's rotten tomatoes score is 4.4 right but roger ebert gave it three out of four stars so that guy from before and he actually said it was better than the first two which is not true um now as some guy in a tv show that i've never seen once said even the most successful men make two or three critical mistakes in their lives. It's what they do afterwards that defines them. Now, I think what Roger Ebert did after that was die. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really defined him recently. I think this is the worst piece of trivia I've ever found on IMDb, and I keep one-upping myself with that. But are you ready for this? Yeah. 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 The injuries the four spies slash criminals suffer in the film toward the end are related to the four elements. 
Ugna is electrocuted, which made his suit and flatulence burn, brackets fire. Jernigan is sprayed with freezing hoses, brackets water. Alice is covered in dirt after several incidents in mud, earth. And Boupere has black paint in his face, coming from a gas-powered spray can. Air. I mean, fuck off. This isn't Avatar. Like, what the fuck I'm sorry, that last one has nothing to do with air. No, I know. None of it has anything to do. It's obviously bullshit. Obviously, that isn't true. Someone's watched this film and gone, God, I'm so fucking clever. You know, it's like, they all breathe oxygen in the film. Air. Like, it's just... Isn't that just one of the worst... Oh, it makes me me really angry, actually. So, that was the end of our odyssey into... Scarlett Johansson movies. How are you guys feeling? It's early in the morning. Um, you're tired, and you've just had to hear this this stuff. Good, but my brain is partially fried. <laughs> I want two hours of my life back. I can't give you two hours of your life back, Jack. But uh, no, there's, there's no answer. There's no thing to that. I'm just going to not do that. And in fact, you're going to have to record another one of these at some point. Right, so that is the end. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully your brains are as fried as Jack and Finn's and Fraser's are. I presume Finn's brain is fried. He's not here to say it, but, I, you know, I like to make assumptions. On that note, we're going to end, so that's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from them. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. Also, Fraser... Could I just get you to say, that's my favourite movie, please? That's my favourite movie. <laughs> cool. Thanks for that. Uh, Why? <laughs> no, no, you'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Um, okay. This is, for, this is for later. <laughs>